You could put a strudel in there. <laughs> Easter Claus. Easter, Easter Claus. Claus. <laughs> Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I'm waving my Indiana palm branches. <laughs> We're anointing kings today. Barry's here to tell us why Jesus gets the upside-down crown. But before we talk contradictions and messiahs, now that they're finished brushing up on their Maccabean revolt trivia, let's welcome in the ones who come in the name of the Lord, Marin and Barry. Good day, guys. Good day. So many things. Lots of references. Lots of wow. stuff. Wow. Well, we're going deep today. <laughs> yes, we are. Are we're we going big time deep? I think so. Mainly about what happened Easters. to Antiochus Epiphanes because... Yeah. That was your big idea, right? Well, that, that was, was the main, the whole, the main yeah. thing. No, at 11, <laughs> I was talking about the Maccabean Revolt, and I acknowledged as I was talking that I wasn't entirely sure what happened to him. I couldn't remember. I, I was saying they got rid of him, but then I was like, wait, did they? Did they kill him? What happened? So I looked it up. It was, according to the according to Second Maccabees, he died a terrible, terrible, terrible death. <laughs> and my grandma's going to love you right now for referencing for, Second Maccabees. Why? Well... <laughs> Well, you know that some parts of the church consider First and Second Maccabees to be part of the Bible, but generally Protestants don't. Not us, <laughs> right? Or wait, do we? No, no. Yeah. Pro- no. Protestants no. don't generally. Catholics do. They're, they have. It's called the Apocrypha. Wow, what a yeah, really riveting Going way deep. to start. Great kickoff. Woo-hoo. Great kickoff on Holy Week. <laughs> Guys, Sorry. anyway, what's new? What's happening? I could tell you two fun things. Good things. They're th- things that are good in my life. Number one, <laughs> Humphrey and Rue are officially bonded. So it is, it is official. And what's the, that mean? The milestone. Well, first of all, they're just best friends. They follow each other around everywhere. Yeah. Every time we look over, they're doing something cute. They're cuddling together. It's just everything we dreamed it would oh be. Oh my goodness. So cute. They eat together. They, they nap together. It's really cute. Um, but that also means that the technical milestone is that they are now spending that they'll stay in the same pen overnight without incident oh without, you know sleepover hurting each other or whatever that's where they go and it's it's really adorable does that's that all. simplify your life now that you're down to one pen instead of two well you'd think so but <laughs> Liv is like great now we can foster more rabbits <laughs> so i don't know we'll uh, we'll see I about that squirrel noises yeah Always. yeah uh anyway so that's exciting and if you follow humphrey on instagram you're seeing a lot of very cute photos of the two of them but um, is this a big week for him for Humphrey, Holy yeah, week? Easter. Oh my my! It is, well, okay. <laughs> like, it what is, are we doing how with the bunnies on Easter? How did I see that coming? No, we I, we do need to probably set, put up a little photo shoot or something yeah. like that. The thing is that like the Indiana House Rabbit Society, where we got yeah. Humphrey and Rue, they always kind of use this as like a time for PSAs, and so I might as well do the same. Like, yes. don't get a rabbit as a gift for somebody for your kids or something do people for do Easter. That? They do that all the time. <laughs> oh but like rabbits are like, ferret. not a, a rabbit. It was a, it was on Easter, Easter ferret. ferret? Yes. <laughs> Easter ferret. I don't know. They're so rabbits are like a 10 year commitment. If they're kept well, they're yeah. not like a like toy. A dog. It's not. Yeah. So yeah. prepare to have a 10 year commitment. If you're going to get your kid a, an Easter bunny. So just don't. Cause that's, that's like yeah. where a lot of these rabbits come from that we have to foster is because people let them go in a field after they, Anyway, so all Wait, that to say. So what what are our thoughts on the Easter bunny? Do you have thoughts on the Easter? Well, do you so, still think about the Easter bunny? Well, yeah. It's I spent a lot I, of time. It, the Easter bunny has been reintroduced as, a, as an idea in my house ah, this year. See. So like, I never thought about the Easter bunny in my adult life. But now that we have a two-year-old, almost two-year-old. Well, he's into bunnies right now. Yeah, he's super into bunnies. And I got an Easter basket when I was a little kid. Lauren, yeah. my wife, did not. Yes. Like, it was like black hole, black <laughs> hole. <laughs> when it comes to Easter bunny stuff. Yeah. Uh, There's some, I mean, it is like trying to yeah. rekindle the whole pagan ideology. Yeah. So, so now that we have our own child, we have disagreements on what Easter, ooh, like dun, what we're going to do. What if you tried to just make some sort of a more palatable version, like Easter Klaus? <laughs> it's like, I'm Santa. <laughs> it's me. I'm Santa, but it's Easter. <laughs> I don't know. That's an idea. Oh I'm just I'm just spitballing here, guys. <laughs> I think uh, I'll I'll toss that by. Yeah, see, see, see what see what sticks. Oh yeah. my word! My uh, word! We had Easter baskets growing up where yeah. my parents would have. It was just a basket full of candy, basically, and they would hide it somewhere in the house. Easter morning, we'd get yeah. up and look around the house and find the basket that was ours. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't have to be a huge deal, but like right. yeah, 
everybody in the world who goes to church is like, ooh, I want to dress my kid up in pastels. Pastels. And you know what I miss? You just, toss that you in just Easter said <laughs> that you're going to put Milo in a tie. Yes. So. Yeah, I know. Milo's put in a tie, we're putting a him tie. in an Easter tie. Yes. I had an Easter bonnet. I have some great <laughs> pictures of my Easter bonnet days. Wow. I'm and uh, lace gloves what? for some reason. That was part of my... Were you doing interpretive dance? <laughs> no, well, it was, I was not a mime in the church. That's a thing. Um, no, my grandma would send me... There was one dress I remember that was big and poofy and it had like bells sewn into it so that when you twirl, it would like make the chimey sound. It wow. would jingle while I twirl. Yeah. I miss those days. You I do? Would, yeah, I would go back in a heartbeat. Okay, so what would you do for your kids when they were growing up? Um, so Jed did not want Easter presents, and I, I agree with that. Like yeah, he, he and I were okay well, with yeah. the Easter basket thing. Um, it just what counts got, as a present is like like a, like anything Mr. Above, Potato Head, anything above candy. Right. Like at first, oh. I started putting like stuff from like the Target dollar section. Yeah. Like, I'll give my child this pair of gardening gloves, and I'll put it in her Easter basket, you know. But like something small, he you just didn't want to do. Gardening gloves. My daughter loves to dig in the dirt. <laughs> she has always loved to play in the dirt. So I was trying to okay. make her dirt time more productive. Plant something. Okay. Um. But no, we always did Easter baskets. It got a little tricky. With Jaden's Easter Xbox. Oh, no, 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 no. With every, like, open-hearted, loving relative also wanting to shower my kids with candy on Easter. So it was like, I would get them one. My husband's parents would shower the kids with some sort of Easter treat. My parents, my grandparents, these kids were getting so much candy. It just was out of control. And back when I was growing up, my parents got me an Easter basket and that was it. I didn't have like a hundred family members showering me with Easter love. Yeah. Neither did Lauren. And so she's, she's slow on the come up when I'm like, Hey, I need to get uh, Milo a Easter basket. And I'm looking for like, I am looking for toys, but mostly candy. Well, like, I don't know. What what do I put in there? I got I got some toys. Gardening I got gloves. like a to- <laughs> I got like a toy in the Easter basket. So That's probably yeah, that's fine. Like I'm thinking totally like good a bunch candy. of candy, Easter tie and like a Mr. Potato like you head. You have to ask yourself, do you really want him eating that much candy? So like Yeah. Why you not? Could put, you could put a strudel in there. <laughs> Easter Claus. Easter, Easter Claus. Claus. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. So that's our thoughts on Easter. Yeah, Mostly. Yeah. Well, and we're kind of in a transitional state where like I asked both my kids if they still wanted to do the Easter traditions of dying like eggs, eggs, all that stuff. And my daughter said yes. And my son said no. So we're, we're like right. Jane's over it. Crossing the hill. Yeah. Yeah. There goes Easter. Sorry. As we knew it. Well, what else is new? So I, okay, real quick. I got to do something which I've been wanting to do for a long time. Uh, you, as you're, as a listener, you cannot hear how beautiful this table is that we are using this yes. table uh, that, that holds all of our microphones yeah. and everything was made by Jim Swanson, who is a incredible volunteer, does a ton of woodworking stuff. Anytime we have a, a big set, he made the big set at the 146th street campus, at least with all the shapes, triangle, we're, we're calling them mountains. mountains with all the mountains. <laughs> well, he does all the like, uh, and the, helps with Mary Poppins and stuff. So I, you know, I've been kind of starting to dabble in woodworking a little bit. And so I finally, uh, had the time and, and the space to go over to his house and he showed me his whole wood shop basement and I had a couple projects I was working on for, um, some stuff. And so I, uh, yeah, we went over there and I got to just use all of his tools and he was showing me all the different stuff. It was wonderful guys. Were you, uh, were you just giggling the whole time? It was like, okay, I've watched countless countless YouTube videos learning all the different techniques, but without the actual ability to try things. So I was able to get in there and immediately start talking to him knowledgeably about all the different tools and techniques and everything. But it was just a matter of, I had never actually used a router table before. And so here I am routing a thing. I was going to say, is there one tool that rises to the top that you just couldn't wait to get your hands on the miter saw table saw was the one I was like, I just want to, I've used one before, but I was like rough and tumble. I just want to use a table saw that is like a good one with a really nice fence. You know, Marin. Yeah. Like a, you want your your table saw fence to be nice and straight. That's the first thing I look for when I'm looking when you- at a table saw. Is <laughs> let me check out the fence. Where are yeah. we at? Where's the yeah. fence? I don't on even this know thing? what you guys are saying. You're she, saying words she that I recognize, <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> oh, point. Oh, uh, anyway, I recognize these words independently, but not together. All I think I know is that miter does the corners, right? 
Am I right about that? Uh, a miter can do corners. Okay. It's the one that you pull down. Yes. Yes. So that's I a miter have saw. used one of those when yep. I was putting cord around in a room that I was refinishing. Those are very handy. <laughs> and that's all we've got for uh, woodworking right. on Between Sundays. All right, Marin, Marin, what's new in your life? Uh, got a new tree, guys, over the weekend. Oh, new trees. Got a new tree. What happened? Um, my husband woke up on Saturday morning and was like, I've always wanted a magnolia tree. <laughs> <laughs> so the good Enneagram 7 that he is so went he just to went the nursery, got, got himself a tree, yeah. and then spent just about the rest of the day planting the tree. He had to <laughs> fight with some gigantic roots from the tree that was there before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. Then in the middle of it, he got a call from a friend asking if he could help move a piano. Yeah. So he just really had the day of days. But yeah. Did he wake up Sunday just sore? He seemed fine on Sunday. <laughs> okay. He was he was pl- putting the tree in the ground at midnight. He was oh trying, my goodness! Okay, he was trying to get ahead of the rain that was going to be yeah. all day Sunday, yeah. which it was pretty nasty on Sunday. But <laughs> he's very proud of himself. I'm very proud of him. Big shout out to Jed. Um, you didn't seem proud of him Saturday night when he suggested he go back out and plant the tree. You know, I just wanted him to just chill. You yeah. know, because have you seen the Burbs like Tom Hanks? Yeah. old 80s movie or whatever. The bur- That's what I was picturing. If my husband's out there digging in the middle of the night, what are the neighbors going to think? Yeah. Special shout out to all our high school friends <laughs> listening to the pod right now who have no idea no what idea, we're talking but about. I, mean, I don't know what you're talking about. You've never seen the burbs? Uh-uh. Oh. No. Get out. Get out. It was uh, like always on TV yeah. when I was little. Yeah, I never so, saw it. So, okay. Lauren and I had the pleasure of joining your family yes. Saturday night. And when we got there, Jed was in a hole. <laughs> <laughs> with like a shovel and a couple yes. axes Sounds just chopping amazing. away. Yeah, well, and you roots. guys showed up with like hot food. And yeah, I we was came with just food. like, you've got to stop doing <laughs> yeah. it. This he, food is He was cold. Uh, consumed with a root that he couldn't quite break through. And yeah, as we, we were there for a while. And as we're leaving, it's like 11 p.m. And he's like, I'm going to go back out and plant this tree. <laughs> I totally get it. I yeah. totally, totally get you it. You yeah. get it. Yeah. 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 That's my husband. Because when you've seven. got that new thing or that, what it's all you think about. It's all, all you, you want to think about. Yeah. Consumed. Yeah. So yes. how long until that tree is nice and mature and That's what I don't know. Because I don't know anything. I don't have a green thumb. I wish I did. Well, the best I part of this know. tree is that we, when we were over there, he hadn't planted it yet, but it's sitting there ready to be planted. Yeah. So we're all looking at it. And then somebody had the idea of let's walk to a park. And on the way to the park, there's a full grown, like mature version of the tree that he bought. Yeah. And Marin <laughs> goes, is that our tree? And he goes, yeah. And he's like super excited. And Marin's like, oh. It looked like a bush. <laughs> Not impressed. It didn't look like a tree. It looked like a bush. She's like, oh. why don't you buy that one and point it to like a cherry blossom tree or something? <laughs> You know, oh, can't win. Way to, each way to deflate yeah. his uh, his joy. Oh yeah. my my. Anyway, tonight is a wood chipper round two. That's oh, what is that? Mean? What are you doing with the, the wood chips? Um, hopefully mulching our right on. yard. Hopefully, but he got one last week. I think this yeah. time last week I was talking about wood chipping, but it was like shards of wood. It was yes, it was like neat. strips of wood. It was Blades. like planks. So today we're we're going for going it, back. trying again. He's got the same friend that he helped move a piano for mm-hmm. is coming to help all us right. get rid of all Good. of our down trees. So Good. Pay it forward. Pay it forward. <laughs> we're doing uh, our own version of spring cleaning right now because Lauren is in her annual let's move <laughs> phase of yeah. life. And so happens about once a year, maybe twice. <laughs> uh, and so I found myself Saturday... Out in the yard, just like looking at things we probably need to do. We are going to sell our house. And so I'm like burning sticks and cleaning out the garage. And Barry, Barry, every time I look at my closet and like the amount of laundry I have to do, Barry pops into my brain and he's like, I have three shirts. And I'm like, for your minimalist, I think we just, we (laughs) we admire that about you. Oh, thanks. And so I'm getting rid of like five trash bags worth of clothes. Were they not sparking joy? No, that that's exactly right. Did was, you do that? Did you go through and, and yeah, I was like, uh, you feel like happy. Your life. I like that shirt, but haven't worn it in a year. It's out. Yes. Yeah. So that happened. But then I was cleaning out my garage, which is, I do it once a year. And that's, that's, I think that's how the, uh, I found table legs in my garage story. Oh, yes. All right. So <laughs> this is the annual table. Yeah, this, I saw those things again and just got angry <laughs> all over again. But We've gone through about four deep freezers for whatever reason 
in our garage. Like, like they, they just burn just, out? Yeah, they just, they're brand new. And then all of a sudden, four months later, they stop working and everything's wet in there. Uh-huh. And so there's one that's kind of like leftover that we can't get rid of. And so I'm moving it Saturday and I, it's one of those where you probably could lift it by yourself, but maybe shouldn't. Yeah. And so I tried <laughs> and I dropped it on my hand. Oh, I thought I broke my hand on Saturday, yes. but how is your hand by the way? Uh, it's still bruised, but that's all there is to it. But when I dropped it, it, it looked like I had grown another finger. It Ooh. had like swollen that much. But it was cleared up by the time you got to my house. No, it wasn't cleared up. It did not. How dare you? It was swollen. (laughs) I thought it was broken. And so, how dare you interrupt his hyperbole? (laughs) Marin and Lauren are like, "You can move your finger. It's fine." And Jed's like, "Uh, "Not true. Actually, if you break a bone in your hand, you can move your fingers. It just hurts, which is the case. It still hurts, Marin." I'm sorry that you broke your hand this week. Well, it's just bruised, so it's fine. But you seem to be working that mouse just fine. I don't need. Never mind. <laughs> uh, spring cleaning. It's yes. a big blast. Do you yeah. guys enjoy like spring cleaning stuff or is I it? I get the fever. You I don't do? know that I enjoy it, but there's something about like, it's time to open the windows. And when I open the windows, I want to just declutter everything. I want yeah. spaciousness. I want openness. So yeah, yeah, I actually did that. Was it Saturday that I did that? Maybe because you guys were coming over, but yeah. I just did the whole like, I have not read this book and blah, blah, blah. It's time to get rid of it. I went and bought a bookshelf. Like I'm trying to organize. Oh, you're doing that with books. With everything. So we moved in about a year ago. We bought this yeah. house. It was May that this house was purchased. Yeah. Um, and I've, we've, we've moved in, but there's mm-hmm. still boxes in the garage, primarily of things like books and like office materials, things like that, that we don't just have a home for yet. Yeah. Um, and I really want to have a home for everything. Yeah. Gotta have a home. Gotta have a home. Um, I just learned, you said opening windows when, when I have a house full of open windows, I just want to like lay down, take a nap. It's just breezy. Yeah. It's nice and cool. And it's usually like a weekend. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I just learned actually Barry, I just learned Barry's nap habits. Barry, Barry walked in here about 15 minutes early. Well, about four and a half. Yeah. Four. Yeah. 14 minutes. And it was like, I'm going to go sleep. (laughs) I was like, we got a thing in like power, power naps. Those are called 20 minutes. Power naps. And lo and behold, he comes back in here energized and refreshed. That's Amazing. Right. Amazing. And thinking clearly like that must be so nice. I don't know. It's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a superpower. Yeah. A lot of times I step up to the podcast microphone after a long Tuesday and I'm mm-hmm. like, my brain is foggy. I don't even know that I will have the wit ne- necessary to yeah. get through this pod in any oh. sort of meaningful fashion. I'm sorry. It's great. I'm sorry, listeners. Well, Nary- Barry's a. Uh, Chipper. All na- napped up, chipper, ready to talk about your big sermon Woo! last weekend. Woo! Yeah. So this is, uh, let's recap a little bit. This is the second of three sermons in the, our series, Jesus Is, correct? Yeah. And Which, by the way, when you say it out loud, sounds like you're referring to mul- multiple Jesuses. 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 Our sermon series, Jesuses. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is, is. king, yeah. which was your kind of focus this yeah, past weekend. Can you, right. can you kind of recap the big idea? You focused on John chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 19 to kick us off, but can you yep. focus, can you refocus us a little bit on what the big idea is for anybody who may have missed it sure. or hasn't seen it yet? Yeah. So it's the story of the triumphal entry where Jesus, uh, enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey. People are waving palm branches and shouting, um, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, hail to the King of Israel. And, and it's a nice, happy little story. And at the end, the Pharisees are like, oh, there's nothing we can do. Everyone's going after him. The world's going after him. And that's kind of it. And to be completely honest, I realized as I was working on the sermon, wow, I actually don't have a lot of theological weight behind. Like, I don't have a lot that I think about when I think about the triumphal entry. It's just something that you th- you do the week before Easter and you yeah. move on. So I ended up really starting to ask some big questions of it. Like, okay. Why would all four gospel writers include this story mm. if it's just a neat little factual thing? Yeah. Like they don't all include the same stories very often. There's like Jesus's baptism and the triumphal entry and like a couple others and that's mm. it. So yeah. why, why this one? And then other things where I was like, I realized, okay, I know that I always went home from Sunday school with palm branches, but I don't 
actually know what that stands for. Yeah. And I, after looking at a few commentaries, I realized I didn't have a, it wasn't a satisfying answer. So I knew I needed to dig into that. Mm. So ultimately what ended up happening is I realized this whole thing, this whole story matters because it actually is making a significant theological claim about Jesus, Mm -hmm. that he is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. But then it also in the story is also kind of raising questions about that because one week later he's hanging on a cross yeah. and mm. dying. Uh, so I've always been super fascinated with that part. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute. Right. Things were going so yes, well. Things were going so well six and a half days ago. What, what, what are we doing here? Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I realized, okay, there, this dichotomy is there. It's one that I think we have to wrestle with. And so I decided, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go and I'm going to explain the entire story of the Messiah and where this whole idea came yeah. from through you the Old sure Testament. Did. And uh, and so ultimately the big idea was that, yes, Jesus is the Messiah, but his kingdom is upside down. Mm-hmm. And for him to... Uh, to take his rightful place as the king of an upside down kingdom, his ascent was actually a descent to mm-hmm. surrender and death. And yeah. ultimately, of course, he's resurrected and therefore like exalted. But it it the path to the throne mm-hmm. was through surrender, not through marching in on a war horse and taking over Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I made the point that that is. I believe what people were expecting. That's what they were hoping for. Yeah. Uh, a king who would lead Israel to um, glory, who would lead mm-hmm. Israel to become a global superpower and take, kick out the Romans and, yeah. and force every other nation to bow to, to the king of Israel. Mm. But instead the king gives up his own life. It's very, mm-hmm. and, and so all that to say, the whole thing was an invitation for us to wrestle as we get ready to, to go into Easter, to kind of ask ourselves the questions like what, what Messiah do I follow mm-hmm. or what, what do I believe the king of my life really is? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so that was, that was kind of a, a whole lot. Basically mm-hmm. the big, if I had to say one phrase, it would be that the kingdom of Jesus is upside down. Yeah. That's the big idea. Okay. Um, I want to dig into that in a minute. Yeah. We'll talk but, about it. So, um, you said anointed one means Christos, right? Well, other way Christ around. Christ is Christ and both and Messiah, Messiah or Messiah. Both of those words mean anointed one. And so, you said his la- Jesus's last name was not Christ, right? What was it? Uh, you could say, and wasn't have- his name Josh? <laughs> yeah, Yeshua is actually what we say. Jesus is Yeshua, which is the same as Joshua. Yeah. So I joke that his name was be Josh, the Anointed One. <laughs> but if you, re- I someone asked actually, someone asked me that, that about Jesus's real last name yeah. after sermon, and honestly, it nobody probably, knows. Well, it could have been Ben Joseph. Cause his father's name was Joseph. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was, could have been Jesus, the son of Joseph, or yeah. obviously he was referred to as Jesus of Nazareth as he yeah. kind of gained some fame. Mm-hmm. Last names didn't really work the same way. It was more like how you're identified or where you're connected. Jesus from this place or Jesus from this parent and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, and you, you took us all the way back pretty early on in your sermon to Genesis. We're right. like, Hey, is do we think Jesus is, is the Messiah? Well, let's look at Genesis. Yeah, went all okay. the way back to Abraham. And as you're going through the different like different verses or books of the Bible to mm-hmm. illustrate what a Messiah or what people thought a Messiah would be, or, yeah, um, which I can walk through. Here's here's basically the sequence. Yeah. So yeah. The, all right, Abraham is told that Israel that his descendants are going to bless the nations. Mm-hmm. His great grandson Judah is told that his descendants would be kings of Israel and that they would rule a global kingdom. That's how they'd bless the nations. Yeah. And then his descendant, David becomes one of the first mighty Kings. And he's told that his descendant is going to rule this global kingdom and it will be an eternal kingdom. And then everything falls apart. The exile happens and the prophets say, yeah, but hold on. Mm -hmm. This King is still coming. This promised King is still on the way. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, there's the real short summary. Okay. So as you're going through all of this, I'm super fascinated through all of this, but I'm still feeling like, man, this is like Da Vinci code stuff where it's like, (laughs) I gotta, I gotta crack some serious codes to in the old Testament to like understand what you're talking about because you know, otherwise you're, you're taking palm leaves home and you don't know what it means. So, and so my question was, why do you think God took this approach rather than just saying like, Hey everybody, this is the Messiah you've been waiting for. Just making this clear. Right. It's this guy. Right. So yeah, it's a great question. I think from my perspective, one of the things I I was taking 
individual passages and trying to paint this this broad picture of this thing that developed as if it all happened yeah. sequentially like that. It really didn't. Each of these ideas mm. began to work their way into the sort of the cultural psyche of the Israelite people. The idea of the Israelites as a nation, because they were they came from slavery in Egypt. So the idea that yeah. they're going to be a nation, that becomes a very important factor for their self-identity. Yeah. They, the idea that there's going to be a king over them becomes a, 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 an important factor in their identity. And so then then once King David has this really, really great reign, like he kind of mm-hmm. knocked it out of the park as far as kingdom building goes, all of a sudden the ideas that come with the kingdom, the, the throne of David and the descendants of David, yeah. it starts to develop more, just, it just all builds into this sort of national consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, the prophets be, start, tapping into that when it's the least expected because everyone is in exile and the nation is in ruins and the prophets are saying, no, all of those promises are still true. That's this King is still coming and we will be restored Yeah, to, to Israel will be restored. So it's like I, all that to say, I was picking a few verses yeah. along the way, but it's not like it was this secret hidden code in scripture. It was this slowly building national mindset mm-hmm. that would have been just sort of the kind of thing anybody in Jesus's day would have been thinking about because of all the history that yeah. we had before. Do you think the Israelites thought David was the Messiah? Well, I don't know that the idea perhaps. Yeah. And, but I don't know that the idea necessarily the would have been, or whatever. would have been as developed by that point. Really? Perhaps. Um, I'm sure. I don't know. It's hard to say. Cause he's, he became like such a, symbolic figure. I mean, he was a real person, real reign, but then throughout the rest of scripture, he comes to symbolize the the kingdom of Israel yeah. as it's meant to be. Right. And, Back when and, y'all were doing good things. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. you can, and then, and then you get, interestingly, you get some books like first and second Samuel, which actually, if you look at like the Psalms, King David is like the man he's basically yeah. perfect. But when you look at, even in the ways that he acknowledges his sin, he he's the model that everyone looks mm-hmm. to. Yeah. When, when you read first and second Samuel, he's looked at, he, he's put in a much more mm, revealing light mm-hmm. where he's not a perfect man. Very human. Very human. He's very sinful. Yeah. You know, so anyway, all that to say the idea of David kind of came to symbolize what people were looking for. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a king like David mm. who, who takes oh, the okay. throne. I love how subtle... <clears throat> Christ as the fulfillment of scriptures like is like you asked, why would God do it this way? Why not just like announce him with trumpets? Here mm-hmm. he is the one you've been waiting yeah. for. And like Barry said, things like Zechariah, he referenced this, mm-hmm. um, rejoice. O people of Zion shout in triumph. Oh, you people of Jerusalem, look, your King is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious yet. He is humble riding on a donkey riding new King James. <laughs> Nope. Again, that's NLT because this is the app notes. Yeah. That's what they put there in the app notes. You see, um, but <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, like somebody in the crowd who knew or was familiar with Zechariah would be like, Whoa, this is the dude. Look, yeah. He's, he's right. even on a donkey. Okay. Whoa. But you could also say I have another question about that then. Well, maybe this is what you're getting. Yeah. At. The, the other question is, was it that Jesus just did this and it happened to fulfill the prophecy yes! or was he, was he <laughs> activating that prophecy by choosing a yeah. donkey instead of a horse or instead of walking because he wanted people to think, cause the, cause the thing is, and I didn't get into this, this is going to get way too deep. There are other, pro- other prophecies and ideas about the Messiah, which, which would give people the reason to think that he was going to be a warrior. Yeah. So there are plenty of passages that talk about once the kingdom is restored, uh, the enemy, our enemies will be crushed beneath our feet. We will, we will dominate. So don't you think he's coming back as a warrior? Well, yes, but I also think, well, it's, it's really complicated because there's also elements in which that's absolutely true. It's just that the enemies are not human enemies. Mm -hmm. They're, they're the enemies of, of God, the evil forces in the world, in which case, he did strike a death blow to them on the cross. Like I said, Da Vinci Code, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, that, that was my question. Um, do you think that people are waving palm branches because they're like, oh yeah, we got we to gotta wave palm branches. Remember, it says whatever about the palm branches. Somebody go get some palm branches. Or is it just like organically happening and then we all get to look back and be like, oh my goodness, this was prophecy. I think it's a mix. I think, and that's, it's. I was raised to, to say all of it 
just happened and it was because the prophets saw it in the future. I also think, yeah. but as I've grown, I think there's actually a bit of a mix. I think like palm branches became a symbol of God's victory. And so people wave them when they think God's about to have a victory. Mm. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily that they're like, oh, this will fulfill that old, that this will be just like the Maccabean revolt. I think they're also thinking like, hey, this is just what we do when we celebrate. <laughs> There's all these palm branches lying around. Yeah. They're really big and great. Yeah. I'm trying to think of all the other prophecies, though, that Jesus fulfilled mm -hmm. that there couldn't have been a way of doing that you know, or foreseeing that or doing that on purpose. Like not one of his bones shall be broken. Right. Like they didn't right. like, don't break his bones. Cause he is the Messiah right. after all, you know what I mean? Like right. there were so many other ways yeah. in which he fulfilled prophecy. Yeah, that I mean, he weren't, couldn't, he couldn't have chosen to be born in Bethlehem right. unless he was God. So right. things like that. Yeah. Right? That was a problem. And that's why it's important and fun fun to dig into the old Testament yeah. and see how many ways Jesus that's is fun. Like, He's already mentioned. He's there. Yeah. They're giving us hints of what's I to come. I do love that part of the Bible where it's yeah. like you're putting pieces together that maybe you'd never even thought of yeah. before. But I think what I'm what I'm realizing now, and I think my sermon, I, I hope, was kind of building on this, is the idea that the the specifics, the tiny little specific prophecies that you could be like, yeah, I guess Jesus fulfilled that one, or yo, that was obviously Jesus. Like mm -hmm. that that to me is not as cool as the ways in which he fulfills the broader story of the entire narrative of the old Testament mm. where entire prophetic concepts start coming to fruition in his life. Like what? Like, okay. So we talk about the, the suffering servant in Isaiah. There's mm -hmm. a whole passage which talks mm. about the suffering servant and we tend to read it and it's like Isaiah 53 and we tend, I think 52 or 53 or both. We read it and think, Oh, it says he was pierced for our, transgressions that refers to the nails in the hands of Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, and we just go one-to-one -one mm -hmm. and that's about it. What I've come to realize is that no, that, that prophecy meant something to the people who first heard it. And it actually, it presents a broader idea that those who serve God, those who serve God suffer in this broken world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so to serve God faithfully is to suffer. So then when Christ comes along, his actions and his life, it, it personifies and typifies that prophecy to the most full extent. Yes, the specific things it talks about were true with him, but it also says he was buried in the in Isaiah fifty three. It says he was buried in a rich man's grave. That's not yeah. something that's true of Jesus, unless you you some people would say borrowed, borrowed tomb, borrowed tomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but so yeah, you could go there and say, oh, these are all direct one to one things, or you could say, no, the broader theological truth behind. The entire Old Testament is a story that leads to Jesus and Jesus fulfilled not just the specific prophecies, but the the entire sweep of scripture. But I realize that's not quite as clean cut and it it takes a it, it's biblical theology. It takes the idea of the story of scripture to kind of a whole new level where all of the Old Testament, including the stuff that has not, that's like the narrative stuff about King David, all of it in some way is leading to Jesus that's what I appreciated about the history lesson that you gave us a good, probably 70% of your sermon was pointing out from Abraham to King David, to the prophets, to that Maccabean revolt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Look, he is the Messiah. Look again, they're still waiting. It wasn't David. They're still waiting, yeah. but yeah. it's going to come through David's lineage. Look, he is the Messiah. Yeah. If you're preaching that Jesus is King, yeah. you definitely made it very clear. Yeah. I'm distracted. Are your headphones on your ears? You know what I did? <laughs> so this is an old like recording trick. A lot of times when I'm recording vocals, yeah. I take one headphone yeah. off my ear and leave one on. I'm and like, Mary's not listening to you or I, Barry. She's just talking. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm slipping no, back fine. into studio behavior. But it just sounds too weird to have myself yeah. in stereo. <laughs> okay. So yeah, let's not do that. Oh, also, every time you ever see me sing on a stage, I only have one ear. Why? Isn't that so bad? It's the worst. I'm yeah. gonna go deaf. I will. I promise. Well. All right. Can I, can I share an extremely fun fact that did yeah. not make the cut of the message or yeah. the app notes? So Judas Maccabeus, the guy that led the revolt, the Maccabean revolt. So he and his buddies, they set up shop in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Antiochus goes and he has this terrible stomach illness and dies. And that's God apparently Is that struck your fun him down. Fact? No, no, no. That's it. I'm, I'm saying leading up to the fun fact. The fun fact is when they first start ruling they become an independent nation again for the first time since since the exile mm. uh judas maccabeus 
signs a treaty of friendship with this new little tiny empire that had just started making waves called Rome. And because he signed that treaty of friendship, it began a sequence of events which ultimately led, in in a roundabout way, led to the Romans being the ones. What? Who, right? yeah. That's what I'm doing right now. It led to the Romans being the ones who occupied Israel yeah. in Jesus' day. So anyway, it's... Thanks a lot. I mean... Maccabeus. No wonder it's not in the Bible. <laughs> but did you see the other fun fact, though, about the Maccabean revolt? That, that the cleansing of the temple being celebrated uh, is Hanukkah? Yes. I did read that. That was awesome. That's what Hanukkah is. It's a, it's a festival remembering the cleansing of the temple during the Maccabean revolt. Fun Boom. facts. Fun Boom. facts. Maccabeus. Maccabeus. Um, okay, so the <laughs> the people the people waving the palm yep. branches are also the people that were like, nah, we're out. Six days later, right? Maybe. Well, Maybe. We don't know. In fact, I mean, the estimates say there may have been hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem for, for Passover, so... Yeah. It's possible it was a completely other group that was out there, but so we don't know. But I imagine at least some of some them of them were. would have been in the same in the same group for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said it all kind of boils down to they didn't believe that the kingdom of Jesus is what they were looking for, and that's when you got into the they were expecting a warrior, they were expecting yeah. basically like a conqueror, right? Right. And what Jesus was was a self giving uh, martyr. I mean, yeah. he died for the sake of yeah, and he had a kingdom of, of peace and, and love and forgiveness and turning the other cheek and all the stuff I listed off. And it, but didn't they know that? Didn't they know he was like the carpenter who has just been wandering around for the last three years, just talking about like peace and possibly love and possibly, uh, it's also possible that these are just people who had never heard. They just heard this buzz about this guy who could like heal people. Yeah. And then they heard, Oh my gosh, two days ago, he just healed. He just raised the guy from the grave and yeah, he's coming true. here. He's yeah. coming here. Oh my gosh, this is it. You know, maybe yeah. they haven't heard his teaching. He, you know, cause most of his ministry was spent up in Galilee. It yeah. wasn't spent. He, he visited Jerusalem a few times, but, uh, a lot of these folks would have been from all over. There would have been at Passover. People would have come you know how in uh, in Islam people go, they try to make a, a pilgrimage, pilgrimage once a year to mm-hmm. Mecca. Yeah. Very similar. Like there would have been people, okay. literally there was a huge Jewish population in Egypt that got founded during the exile. Like a lot of people, instead of being carted off to Babylon, they escaped and fled down to Israel and they lived on this like island called Elephanta or something like that, Elephantine or so, some something with elephants. I don't know. <laughs> but they lived on this island yeah. and there was basically like a little mini Jewish city nation down there yeah and they would have come up for for passover so the yeah likely people who had never heard of they'd only heard of jesus never met him never heard his teaching they probably wouldn't have known yeah all the non-violent stuff that was for his i disciples just picture him I, I i've always had the picture of him just like turning into the celebrity for three years and like everybody in the world knows yeah. who this guy is yeah but it doesn't sound like that I mean, people did come from from far and wide to hear him teach, but for the most part, it was Galileans. It was yeah. not, you know, Egyptians. Okay, so you say uh, the kingdom of Jesus is upside down. Yeah. Can you kind of go into a little bit more detail of what that means? Yeah, and, and when I say upside down, what I'm comparing it to is human kingdoms. Uh, human kingdoms which are based on power and strength and ingenuity and, um, yeah, taking advantage of other people for your own gain. Those that's, that's the way that human kingdoms always are. I mean, you look at all throughout time, it's always absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Right. And it's like, all it takes is for someone to have a bit of power. And it seems like it's almost uh, impossible for that to not lead to some kind of exploitation and injustice. Yeah. Um, And so Jesus's kingdom is complete when you if that is normal then his is completely abnormal it's completely upside down Mm -hmm. Um, the idea that the first would be last is upside down that that he would preach this routinely to say that like giving of yourself for the sake of others that is what makes you great in the eyes of the lord that's what makes you great in the kingdom and those who are great in this world will be nothing in the kingdom it's upside down and it's shocking and uh has anything like that happened since has there been any like human kingdom or entity that people have been drawn to that based on self-sacrifice yeah There's, there that, have that been, been some like that non-violent movements like yeah. gandhi and some things that happened in, in yeah. south africa and apartheid like there have been other other movements like that but 
the idea that your entire life would be based on yeah self-sacrifice and others focused love that's it's pretty pretty provocative yeah because you, you end your sermon basically challenging people to wrestle with this idea yeah and i was thinking about this and i was like man we're still looking for the same type of messiah we're still looking for the person who is the most powerful that will bring us to like uh the most like blustery warrior centric yeah. like militaristic power yeah like we we have this picture of what power means. Yeah, we're still doing that in 2019. Yeah, I I will say I'll I'll make one caveat about this, which actually uh, a congregant brought this up, and I thought thought it was a great point, a great perspective that in many uh, like minority communities, it's not it's not exactly the same level of of shock with the idea of Jesus being a being persecuted in this way. It may actually be an encouragement because it's like oh. A, a downtrodden person yeah. is our king. Yeah. That, that leads to some encouragement. But for those like me who are raised in a love with a level of privilege, who are raised in a American culture, which yeah. is very, very power focused and progress focused. And, uh, you know, that, that it, it does, it is a pretty discordant idea. Yeah. And I, I mean, if I'm thinking about like, what do I need to do to make sure my family's safe? What do I need to make do to make, or what do I yeah. need to do to make sure like my house is safe or my uh, future is safe yeah. or our country is safe? Like I'm thinking, I'm not thinking this way, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm thinking like power, possibly violence, possibly yeah. conquering. Like I need to make sure that I am in, in control, right. that kind of stuff. Right. And so I started thinking about this as you're asking us to wrestle. I was like, what makes me any different than the people that were waving palm branches and like, you know, yeah. what makes me any different if that's what we're still kind of looking for? Mm. Uh, I'm drawn to Jesus, but you're right. Like what, what about the Messiah part is yeah. interesting to me if I, if I feel like we're still kind of in that spot of like, we need a savior and that savior needs to to overcome evil and that the way of doing that is by like overpowering. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, yeah, we're getting into some interesting theological ground here, but it's so interesting when you think about the fact that we as Americans, generally speaking, we want to follow a winner. Yeah. Right. Like we want our leaders to be winners yeah. <laughs> and, and it is very, it is very hard to think about following somebody who isn't successful in the eyes of the, of the, of the world. Yeah. Now we can then, we immediately go straight to, yeah, but he was rose, risen from the grave and he's on the throne and he's, he's yeah. power, so we're able to say, but he is a winner, is a winner. in the end yeah. he's the winner. So that's <laughs> yeah. okay. But, um, I think we skip over a very crucial part. And the fact is the early church fathers had to spend a ton of time talking about this because Christianity was not a national religion. It was not the the, the religion of the empire. Mm. It was it was the religion of losers. Yeah, it yeah. was the people who willingly gave up their status and their wealth. It, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> right? It reminds me of a was it last year we had a sermon about the derogatory nickname of Christians, yeah. little little, little Christs. Christ. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I love. I mean that verse. When we preach Christ crucified, you know, the Jews think it's, say it's offensive or, yeah. or the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But I always read that and I always think when we preach Christ, which is Jesus's last name, when we, when we preach Jesus <laughs> crucified, but no, what we're literally saying is when we preach the anointed one is crucified, like when we're preaching that the Messiah is crucified, it's offensive and nonsense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is like, yeah, it kind of is actually. Yeah. So anyway, it. Yeah, I'm looking at this crowd response a couple of verses down in John 12. This is uh, after the triumphal entry and a, couple, a crowd, I guess, of, of Greeks came and said, we want to meet with the Messiah. Yeah. And he tells them that unless a kernel of wheat goes into the ground and dies, you know, that whole famous scripture. And they say to him, the crowd responds, we understood from scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say that the son of man will die? Just who is this son of man anyway? They're confused. Yeah. They don't get it. They expected him to live on forever. And and it was offensive. It, how could you say you're going to die? We understood from the law. We understood from scripture that you, yeah. that the Messiah would live forever. And 
they're wrestling. What kind of king do they think this is? Right. I think, who would I be if I were in that crowd? What would I have understood of him? You know, um, and then begs the question even now, who do I think? Right. Who do I think he is? Right. And it's just, it's fascinating to me to think, like I I talked, when was that? Uh, Several months ago, all about martyrdom. Remember when we were talking about the martyrs who, yeah, they were convinced that the path to elevation was through descent, that the path to Christ was to imitate him and and give Mm -hmm. your entire life literally Mm -hmm. for him. And it's just so fascinating because I think we look at that and we think that's insane that you would willingly just be executed for this. Like, like at least just say a little lie. It's better than dying, you know, Mm -hmm. but but for them, it wasn't even a question. They're like, and Paul, you read Paul's letters and he looks at his suffering. He literally thinks of it as the suffering of Christ. Like he thinks he is participating in Christ's suffering when he is persecuted and beaten and thrown in jail. And it's like, do I think that way? A, do I even expose myself to that mm. kind of suffering? And B, if I did, do I think of it as sharing, participating in the suffering of my king? That's right. good. That's good. Yeah. Do you, uh, I just feel like this is not like we're not drawn to that part. Right. As Christians, like in America, at least, at least what I've participated in, mm-hmm. like nobody's pumped to follow Jesus so that we can go suffer. Right. Woo! But that's what we're called to do. Right. Yeah. Bonhoeffer said when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. Come yeah. and die. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Yeah. But it's again, this is an area where where for many of us we're coming many not all many of us are coming from a place of privilege and so for us we are the rich young ruler who has a very far way to descend if you are living in a place of oppression already it makes sense that this would resonate with you because it's saying let let your let why don't you let your oppression and the pain that you're experiencing be why don't you go through that with Christ because yeah. you know, that that's a yeah like that's different than us saying well, we've built this perfect little bubble of a world where I don't have to ever suffer. Mm-hmm. And now I'm being asked to suffer. Well, yeah. I don't want to do, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, for sure. I'm just thinking of like mega churches and like yeah. what we're doing and yeah. we're not, we're not pumped about the suffering part. <laughs> or even you know? like today I woke up to a, a text from a friend of mine, dear friend of mine, um, not a follower of Christ, but they had a, a tragedy happen in their family where somebody was in a car accident and they were asking me essentially if I would pray for, for this family member to make a recovery. But then they, they just tagged on to the end of this text. And this still begs the age old question of why God would let horrible, horrible things yeah. like this happen. And so I sat with it for a while. I never want to fire off a, a quickie response to a text like that, but it kind of brings back some of what I was talking about on the pod last week of I take comfort that the scriptures tell me I will go through hard times. Mm. I take comfort that it says that weeping may endure for a night and that um, he'll turn my sorrows into dancing, that uh, I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I might find myself there, but he'll be with me. Mm -hmm. If, If the scriptures promised me an insulated life, I would throw it away because that's, that's not true. That isn't true. Instead it promises a very real, um, picture, a very real picture of you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome. Mm -hmm. If I can suffer and think of my sorrows and my suffering as sharing in the sorrows of Christ known as the man of sorrows. Again, I think that we're, we're still not getting what kind of king yeah. we serve the yeah. man of sorrows. What does that even mean? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she, like I said, not a believer, but again, this misconception that things are supposed to be perfect and we're supposed to be insulated from pain or, or suffering. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, second Corinthians four, eight, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but mm-hmm. we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yeah. It's Through just, suffering. Yeah. As long as we are in this still broken world, while 
while the the kingdom of light is still mopping up the forces of the kingdom of darkness darkness after Jesus, you know, conquered the or did the death blow to death yeah. on the cross and resurrection like and as long as that's still happening we're going to participate in the suffering of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I just think I just get frustrated that like it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. In America. It doesn't feel like Amer- like American evangelicals or Christians on a wide scale are yeah. like pumped about that part. Right. <laughs> you know like we don't talk about that part. Right. In a way that's like guys, we're in this together. And this is this is what you were saying, Marin. Like this is why we are drawn to Christ is because there will be this, and this is what He's promising while we're going through this. Like we don't yeah. talk about that part as much as we talk about like wanting to follow a winner. It feels like at least right. it feels like in what I expose myself to, like yeah, people I follow and things like that. Yeah, but, it's sometimes like the scriptures that I was quoting to my friend, like, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death." Uh, I you know, evil for you are with me. Sometimes, sometimes we focus on the latter half of a verse and not on the part that comes yeah. before it. Yeah. The part that promises us that we yeah. might find ourselves in some horrific situations. Um, and then when those horrific situations arise, we shake our fists at the heavens and say, why, why? would you let yeah. this happen? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be. Interesting, because I this is this kind of theology is really important to me, and I yeah. see a need for us as a church to continue to kind of dig into this mm-hmm. and really wrestle with Thank this. Thank you for taking us there. By well, the way, yeah. yeah, I mean, Thank you, Barry. Thank you. Sometimes when you preach, and I apologize to whoever sits in front of me at whatever <laughs> campus I might find myself at, because I'm like, okay, mm-hmm, ooh, no. Ooh, like I, I talk to you when you're on the screen and this was one of those like Trojan horse kind of a message where it's yeah. like history lesson, history lesson, punch to the gut. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, but it sure did frame. We followed at all three campuses. We followed that sermon with a song called all hail King Jesus mm. and the power both services, man, rehearsal. I was at Fisher's and we were rehearsing that song at about 7.15 and I started to just cry. I just started to get overwhelmed by the words of that song. And that was before it really got framed by your message. What do we mean when we talk about the risen King, King Jesus, the upside down kingdom? Whoa. Oh man. You know what was was cool at that, at uh, 146th street at 4.30, uh, while Brad and the band were singing that yeah. song, his mic went out and maybe one of the other mics went out. We're not sure, but his mic for sure went out. And so all of a sudden you couldn't hear anything, couldn't hear the lyrics. So they kept playing and we tried to switch out the mic, but production didn't see that we had switched it. It was a whole debacle. Yeah. But as we got to like this, the building part of the song, yeah. the chorus, everybody just stood to their feet and started singing. The whole congregation started singing along and it was like, really cool. Yeah. yeah. It was like we were all standing to hail King Jesus. Yes. It was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for I'm taking I'm pumped about this too, this theology too, because I feel like uh, what we're talking about here is, is, I mean, you said it was like a uprising of losers or whatever, you know, <laughs> or whatever. I, say that? Yeah, I don't like know. That. I don't know what you said, but yeah. uh, I feel like that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, this what happens here with the Easter story was never meant for like mass appeal. Like suffering is not meant for mass appeal. Mm -hmm. And if we embrace that as Christians and as Christ followers, like we need to accept the fact that like, this is not for mass appeal. Not everybody's going to be pumped about the truth of this theology. Narrow is the road. Yeah. Tyler. Yeah. So I guess that's what I've been saying. Right. And the thing that I think we also need to explore a lot more is the idea that there is just like, with Christ through his suffering, there was glory. We also can participate in the divine dance of love mm-hmm. through our suffering because it is in our suffering that we are our most, uh, in some ways in line with Christ. This is yeah. get, I mean, it gets really weird. Yeah. His I, strength is perfect like, in our weakness. Right. I was just, yeah. yeah, I was just looking at that for when I'm weak, then I'm strong because it's his strength within me. There is a, an aspect to which we are able to better commune with God through our weakness. Yeah. And, and we miss out on that when we make yeah all the other stuff yeah. first. Yeah. So that's, it's so interesting. I did not see this coming, this message coming at all to be clear, but this message, last week's message, and then the Easter message are all leading us into this 
very practical discussion about the the broken place of hatred for Hope Month. Yep. Like yeah. we're going to be talking in two weeks about literally how like the passage right before Philippians two that I read in in the message, like we are to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, and that's what's going to lead to to us having unity with one another. And mm-hmm. that same attitude is the attitude of going willingly to, to the cross. The cross. Mm-hmm. So. Man, I don't know. It's going to be, I think I foresee some really interesting conversations coming up yeah. in the days ahead. All right. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we go next? Easter. It right? is Easter. Woo! It is Easter. Um, what What can we expect? Just like It's always, a party? I mean, if you're not, if you're new to Grace, you'll discover quickly that Easter is always one of the highlights of the year. It's just a huge celebration. It's mm-hmm. a blast. Yeah. I, I think... I uh, I like Easter more than Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just because that's the whole point. Yeah. Like you can, I don't know. I, I could see that. I mean, like Christmas is hopeful, but yeah. Easter is the thing. Like if Easter doesn't happen, then what are we life? doing? Yeah. You know, you, right. could, you could have the Christmas story or like that, could, that part could have been left out of the Bible or something and we'd yeah. still have the Easter story. Yeah. It's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pro Easter. Uh, cool. Well, yes. so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a week off. Um, Dave's gone next week and he's given the Easter message. And so, um, we kind of talked about Easter the past two weeks. And so we're going to take the next week off. Um, but after that, we start hope month and Barry, do you want to kind of give us a, I, we've talked about it the past few weeks. Yeah. Um, but can you kind of just give us a, a taste of what to expect? Sure. During yeah. that month. So, I, I just mentioned, we're going to talk about healing the broken place of hatred, but one of the unique things that we're doing is that it is going to be a unified series. So our children's ministry, our middle school ministry, our life groups ministry, all of us are going to be doing the same content uh, for each of the four weeks. And the content's going to be adapted, obviously, for each appropriate age levels and, th- and things. But um, it is going to be so cool because it's going to give everybody something to talk about, even the kids. Yeah. And uh we're going to be doing some, uh, a lot of stuff with our partners. We're going to have our partner expo, which all mm-hmm. we have like 30 plus partners, partner ministries. They're all going to be here. Uh, we're going to have the partner catalog where people can, can learn about and support our partners and directly. Um, why are we calling it hope month? Because there's hope. Here's why. Here's why. And I, I'll, get, I'll get to this in two weeks when I, when I preach, but the, the hope in all of this is that we talk, I mean, we look at, we see racism and, and discrimination and all these issues with immigration and, and economic inequality. And it's Eat just, it, haters. It just wow. seems completely, <laughs> it just seems completely hopeless. Cause like yeah. what, you, you look at any, like literally someone could just be like, like the sky is blue mm-hmm. and people would be like false. If you look at the yeah. facts and then other people will be like, you're just saying that because of your liberal bias. And it's yeah. just like, <laughs> it's like, the, it's like no, no longer can anybody even be in the same room as somebody that yeah. has any difference with that. And it's just, the world just seems to be like mm. so rapidly dividing. The hope is that we as the church broadly, but more, more specifically as grace church, we can literally be different than that. And we can be a Amen. place where self-giving love with the love that we, where we have the attitude of, of Jesus, we can begin to show the world a different way. And in yeah. this time, which is so hopeless, we can actually bring hope to the world. And mm. I, and I, Man, I think if we were to even begin walking down this road, yeah. if we were to be a church that saw like healing when it comes to issues of yes, God. of racism and economic inequality, where we saw people like worshiping in a in a diverse, rich community of people who were just different from one another, and they gave up them their own power and strength and wealth for the sake of one another. I mean, we would definitely look different than the world around us, and yeah. I, and I believe that there is hope that that's possible. I yeah. don't think it's a pipe dream. And if you don't like it, get out. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just wow. That'll be the slogan for the, for the <laughs> hope month. Yeah. If you don't like it, get out. Hope or get out. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm pumped about it. We've been working on this behind the scenes for months, long yeah. time. It yeah. feels yep. like. Yeah. And so yep. I'm ready for everybody else to participate. Yeah. And uh, I think it'll be great, especially since everybody's doing it like all yeah. together. Yeah. So. And what a perfect just launching pad about the upside down kingdom yep. taking us into hope month is going to um really just kind of show us what that looks like in real time yeah that upside down kingdom yeah, yeah. all right so we'll see you in two weeks but until then marin will you please 
Send us out. I will, I will. Happy Easter, dear listener. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. Because I'm like, okay, mm-hmm, ooh, no. Ooh, like, I, 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 <laughs>